We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mavs fans, this is Kirk and Josh. You are joining us for Pod Mavericks After Dark. It is just before 9.30 on February 22nd. It's a Thursday night. We're joining you after a week off because Josh and I decided that we're not going to do shit for the All-Star break. (laughs) Welcome back, Josh. What's going on? Nothing much. Good to talk to you. Glad we're here. Glad we're here before 9.30 local time. So Mavericks get a 10-point win against the uh, team directly ahead of them in the standings. We're talking before it's even 9.30. We just had a week off. I mean, how how could things be better? Let's fucking go. I'm having a great time. You excited? Did you like that game? You weren't in Slack a lot, so usually I can get a sneak preview of how you're feeling about a game uh, with your Slack post. But you were were a little – you you watched without – slack messages so i'm just i'm kind of flying blind on how you feel well so for complete transparency there's the secondary reason why josh and i didn't do anything for a week is i had to travel for work Mm -hmm. and like so i honestly was like hey should we do something you know as (laughs) i was and and i was getting my ass chewed out at my real job because i made a couple of mistakes and you know neither here nor there um but so we just sort of made the executive decision we're not going to record over all-star break because I think we kind of had a, you know, like this stinker of an all-star break for the for the NBA is is multi years in the making because last year also sucked and so did the year before. There's just lots of sucking going on, so we just decided we weren't going to use our time to do this. Though it's funny, the NFL season ends and Dallas Mavericks interest turns on. Where 
Look at the streams that we have right now. We're two minutes into our stream. We're 250 people. That doesn't, that just wasn't happening six weeks ago. We're really delighted everybody's paying attention. But now we're here. We're back. It's the 27 game stretch run. The Dallas Mavericks uh, are now tied with the Phoenix Suns in the standings. And I think because they own the tiebreaker, they should be above them. But I'm not, they I do. They do own the tiebreaker. So, so, you know, I didn't really know how to feel about that game because it, it feels like this series between these two teams there's just a lot of counter punches going on and i'm uh, you know from a like a tactical point of view if the suns have bradley beal that changes the math and quite candidly i'm not sure how the hell the mavericks defend them um that's why the suns have played better basketball as of late until bradley beal got hurt right before all-star break and you know you hate to say you know we get the Mavericks defeated the obviously I think the Mavericks are the better team, but I also wouldn't want to play that particular Suns iteration over seven games just because of how hot they can get. I mean, this was a really fascinating, really entertaining back and forth affair. This was the kind of game that the NBA was hoping for for Christmas. This is why all of the Suns and Mavericks games are nationally televised because when both teams are looking good, both teams look great. I I had there were a number of points in this game where things could have swung the other way for the Mavericks. I'm really glad they didn't. And and you know, I, I think there's there's some things we can take away from this game. And and I'm very curious to to see what you think. I thought I think the the first thing I wanted to lead off with, and this is more maybe a little bit too uh micro instead of macro. Mm. These aren't really this isn't a general thought, but I, it just it just stuck out to me. There was a play in the third quarter with about three, three or two minutes left. I can't remember. And it's when Phoenix was kind of, it was after the Mavericks had that really big run making threes. They get up to like a 12 point lead and then Phoenix kind of comes right back. They get it to 81 80. So Mavericks have a one point lead and the Mavericks miss a shot. And if the Phoenix gets the offensive rebound, they're taking their first lead since the, since halftime, basically. Uh, and instead, Daniel Gafford basically just chases this loose ball all the way to the corner, mm-hmm. throws it kind of back to the middle of the court, and Josh Green kind of like teleports out of nowhere, grabs the loose ball, gets it to Kyrie. Kyrie hits the three. They're up four. Yep. The Mavericks had a two-possession lead the rest of the game. Like, see, Phoenix never had a chance to tie or take the lead the rest of the game. And I just felt like that was huge. Like, just the momentum of that play – I felt like the energy and effort, and this isn't even really X's or O's tactics or analysis. The Mavericks just had a step on Phoenix in a way that we haven't seen consistently this season before the win streak. And yeah, some of that's injuries, but but in terms of their their energy, effort, hustle, whatever word you want to use, disposition to, to pick a word from Rick Carlisle's vocabulary, I, I really liked how the Mavericks kind of set the tone a little bit uh, basically from the second quarter to the end of the game. Um, I, I just felt like their heads were really in it. Um, there were, of course, that doesn't, ex- you know, they had some mistakes. Um, you know, they didn't play a perfect game, uh, but they played really solid. And I think their their attentiveness on the defensive end, even though Phoenix still had a good scoring game, I thought made all the difference uh, in this one. It's funny, the Josh Green play that you're mentioning, the Daniel Gafford, Josh Green, Kyrie Irving play you're mentioning, 
is really funny because Josh Green had absolutely shat himself like the previous three possessions <laughs> and was a big part of why the Suns had closed that game because he just lost his man. Uh, and, and it was nice to see, you know, because he came out almost right after that play, <laughs> which was very <laughs> funny. Um, you know, just, just as a kind of a quick recap of the game, the first half of the game, the Mavericks were a little off kilter. Um, the teams exchanged blows. The Suns got the Mavericks into the bonus in the second quarter, which resulted into a 16 to five free throw advantage going into the half. That 16 to five was a little overblown just because the Mavericks were in, or I'm sorry, the Suns were in the bonus. So every little Maverick mistake, like Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, existing slash trying to play defense really resulted in some just absolutely ridiculous <laughs> free throws on behalf of the Suns. But the Mavericks were only down by three at half. And then they came out of the third quarter in the rare third quarter murdering of the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, it was a torrential downfall of threes only for the Suns to rally right back. And then that Josh Green play is where the game uh, in hindsight was changed and really sort of sealed um the mm -hmm. suns made a couple of efforts until you know to, to give things going um and the the mavericks you know it's uh what was who's this in the chat um nako in the chat says we need to give the mavericks some credit for their defense and they did they played great second half defense at spurts and i think it's really depending on what you what you think of this team i think it is safe to say that they are capable of playing very good defense. I think it is a misnomer to say that they would ever be a good defensive team, but when they're locked in, uh, everyone likes to say, say that, that um, Kevin Durant was in PJL um, for, for uh, <laughs> PJ Washington jr. I'm going to have to work that into the old vernacular. Um, but this was, was a really impressive win. Um, I made the joke uh, that Jason Kidd uh, really instructed them to run the make every shot offense. Um, which was particularly helpful, but this was a was a game where you know you, you kind of look at the non-starters or you know the role players, and Luca and Kyrie played outstanding offense. No one else really did. Which I bring that up not as a complaint, but simply as I say that the Mavericks had margin to improve by a great deal in this game. Yeah, this was really uh, if you want to take a. 15,000 foot view of this game. I mean, it was really, you've got two teams that each have revolve around two mega stars mm -hmm. uh, and then role players kind of filling in the blanks uh, head to head. The Mavericks, two stars beat the Suns, two stars and the Mavericks win by 10, like mm -hmm. almost as simple as that. Like Luca, Luca has 41 on 14 of 27. Kyrie has 29 points on 11 of 18. Booker was really good, 35 on 13 of 21, but Kevin Durant was terrible, 23 on 9 of 22. And Kirk, I just did the numbers. Uh, would you be shocked to know that now that the season series is over, uh, Mavericks win two, two, two games to one, Kevin Durant against the Mavericks this season, 17 of 43 from the field. That is 39.5%. If Mavericks fans have been watching this team since Durant's been in the league and, you know, he was in OKC and Golden State for a lot of his career, so he played against the Mavericks a lot. I'm just going to take a wild guess and say he's never shot under 40% from the field against the Mavericks for an entire season. Um, I'm just going to take that shot. Maybe there's a weird season where he only played one game because of injuries or something, but that's 
pretty remarkable uh, how consistently good they've been at guarding him and also just how consistently bad he's been. He also had five turnovers um, mm-hmm. as well. Like, that was huge. The Mavericks won the turnover battle. They had 10. Phoenix had 16. And then they were basically even on all offensive rebounds. So the Mavericks had more possessions in this game uh, because of the turnovers. Uh, they were able to, you know, keep keep control of the ball. And I think that was important because Phoenix, when they did get their shots up, they were shooting pretty well. Um, but yeah, the Stars outplayed, the Dallas Stars outplayed the Phoenix Stars pretty handedly. And then Phoenix only shot 8 of 16 at the rim, which is big if for Dallas. It's big in two ways. One, 50% at the rim is not good. So eight of six, like that percentage is really good for Dallas. Also only 16 attempts for the Suns at the rim. So I think what the Mavericks were trying to do to start the game, and it didn't look great, was trying to run Phoenix off the three-point line and and wall off the rim uh, and maybe make some of those role players beat them. I think what kind of happened was they kind of were maybe a little too aggressive with their closeouts and they kind of got into the blender a little bit. And then Phoenix Uh was just getting open three after open three in the first half. I think they tightened that up in the second half where they were still getting the Phoenix role players off the three-point line, but they weren't just allowing like these uncontested blow buys. And I think that shows in, in, in how few attempts and how, what, how poorly the Phoenix shot at the rim. Um, and I think the three-point shots dried up a little bit. They still shot a pretty good percentage, but I think the rate went down in the second half. I'm not looking at first, second half right now, but that's kind of what it felt like defensively they did in the second half. And it helps – like PJ Washington and Derek Jones Jr. and Josh Green, you know, obviously Green struggled a little bit defensively, but PJ and, and Derek Jones Jr. I felt were tremendous pretty much from start to finish defensively. Mavericks just have more options defensively with those tweener wings that they like Maxi, Jones, PJ, Green. Like this team has wings now. Like how how often have we lamented this team not having athletic defensive minded wings? Now they kind of have them. And now Maxie's not the guy who has to shoulder the entire defensive burden by himself. That makes a big difference. The PJ stuff is funny. I need my man to hit a catch and shoot three <laughs> and not a dribble. Like, I'm, I loved his, like, well, I'm just going to dribble. Go. Yeah. I'm going to dribble these six times and take my own Pujit yeah. uh, pull-up jumper in transition for, for those of you who are not yeah. familiar with the Jason Terry vernacular <laughs> of it all. Um, we'll circle back to that. All right. Been about uh, 12 minutes of the show. Thank you so, so much to those of you who are listening. If you could all do me a favor and head down and hit that thumbs up button, the like. There's over 400 people in the stream right now, which is pretty exciting for Josh and I. Every one of those likes matters. If you are down there, would you consider subscribing to our show? We're a mere 30 subscribers away from 2,500. I don't know what subscribers mean because I can't figure out who is and isn't a subscriber to this particular show, but I would very much appreciate your support. If you're listening on an audio uh, platform, a podcast platform, please leave us a review. Please recommend to your friends. This is the time of year when Josh and I really try to kick off and take things to a different level because more people are interested. We regularly provide content. For those of you who are still here, we will be doing a live secondary live fan show tonight that i will be hosting where you can come talk basketball with me about anything that has been on your mind over these last seven days i will try to do more and more of these as the season goes on we only got 27 games left i would like to maximize my opportunity to talk basketball with you and i hope you are interested in talking basketball with me now thank you for letting me shill if you will go ahead and give a quick listen to our ad sponsors on the podcast feed 
I would appreciate it because that's one of the ways that Josh and I make a little money, which makes this possible for he and I to do this as a side hustle. Thank you so much for your support. And we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Wow, I have such a bullshit radio voice. I don't know where I don't know where that comes from. Um all right, so so let's let's sort of talk about some things that were uh, less than amazing. Um, okay. Can we talk about why Tim Hardaway is getting the rope he is getting? What do you think now that there's there's kind of there's more optionality? Well, he hasn't been costing them games during this slump. So sure. I mean, losing usually is the biggest spur for lineup and rotation changes. Like. How long have we been doing this? How long have we been watching? Like if teams are winning, coaches are pretty stubborn with their their lineups and, and rotations. Like I, I think as long as they're winning, I can't imagine this changing all that much. Um, on the other hand, you know, he still, you know, he took nine threes. I know he only made one, um, but outside mm-hmm. of Luca and, Ky- you know, every other role player took, PJ took six, uh, Josh Green took five, Maxi took three, uh, Derek Jones Jr. took two. That was everyone besides Luca, Kyrie, and THJ. Like his volume matters. It, it, you know, it. it I know Party it just sounds exists, weird, though. I know. Like, I know. Can, can we give I the know. guy some minutes? I mean, this is really I, rich coming from me. I've advocated Hardy <laughs> get sent to like a labor camp. Um, I know. And, and I, what I, he's played well for about a month, and Tim just hasn't. And now there's not really. 
I like Tim. I, Tim is a very important player in my Mavericks fandom, but he's not working. And I can't feel like this is, I can't help but feeling like this is the basketball version of trying to make fetch happen. Yeah. And like I said, I just, until they start losing some games, I just don't see it changing drastically. Maybe it's a little bit different. He's so bad at defense though, man. I know. I know it's tough, but his, his volume matters to a degree. Obviously like you have to make some, like you can't just chuck 10 threes every game and shoot 30% over a seven game stretch, which is kind of, I think about what he's doing right now during the win streak. So yeah, he's in a bad way. He needs to make some shots because that's what he's here for. Like they don't, now that they've got Washington and Gafford and Maxie's looking uh, healthy with his cyborg toe uh, and Josh Green is playing well, like they've got options on the perimeter now that they don't need THJ to be anything more than to just shoot a bunch of threes and make a bunch of threes. Like that but is his primary I, role. I suppose I would like to see just less yeah. rope. Where if he so. misses, you know, he had some clutch buckets down the line, down the, the lineup tonight. So I'm not totally killing him. I'm just a little bit confused because I feel like other guys would get yanked earlier and Hardy is a fine catch and shoot guy. And I just, I I mean, the Mavericks frankly play better when, when, when um, Hardaway's not on the floor, that's just been the case since the trade. I mean, it's not very, it's, it's not very, you know, uh, uh, we don't have a huge sample size, but Timmy's just not been very good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you just hope that, I don't know. It's just, you know, hope he just starts making them. Like, there's nothing really more to it, really. And like I said, I just don't. Maybe it changes a little bit next game because, again, he was pretty bad. I mean, coming out of the All-Star break, I don't think they were going to change too much. uh, What did you what did he shoot during the win streak? Seven games. You you tweeted somebody. He's he's like around 31 percent. It might be lower because I haven't really factored. That's pretty amazing. He's in the low 30s, maybe high 20s from three during this win streak. That's that's pretty amazing. These Dallas Mavericks winning seven games with that guy shooting like that. Yeah. What was it? The last two years, they basically couldn't win unless he was 40 percent or better from three. Uh, So I don't know. It's this. The THJ stuff is like glass half full, glass half empty because it's not great that he's not playing well but it means something that they are winning these games with him not playing well. Like it really does. It means, well, I think it's, speak, that's a substantial thing. Speaking of winning games, despite some adversity, the, the free throw disparity, disparity, disparity averaged out over the course of the game. The sun shot 24 to the Mavericks 21, but it's pretty amazing that Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving combined for nine total free throws in this game. Mm-hmm. This was not a very good refs performance. And I don't like talking about the refs. That's just something, you know, I, I I wasted a lot of the 2000s being upset at the refs. And that's not fun. It's not fun to watch the game that way. Do you hear me, Mavs Moneyball contributor Matthew Phillips? It's not fun to watch this that way. And there's a lot of fans that get really riled up by this, and the refs weren't good. But what is your take on my stance that I think this was a prime game for Jason Kidd to get a technical foul on behalf of Luka Doncic. Because Luka picked up his 12th tech tonight, and that's a problem. It is. I I don't know, I mean, how long. We've been saying this every season since he's been here. He can't teach an old dog new tricks at this point. I just don't, that's just not Kidd's MO. It's frustrating. It's really frustrating. Um, and especially this one, because this was a slow like it's not like Luca picked this up in the first or second quarter no. after like a sprint. Like this was everyone on the floor or anyone that was watching this game 
knew that Luca was going to get attacked. By the, but the, the stream of things that led to yeah. him getting a technical was one of the more justifiable sequences yeah, I've yeah, seen. Yeah, for sure. And that's where when Luca gets broadsided, and yeah, he sold the contact a little much against Nurkic and then drives the lane. And there are four sons that hit him on the following play. And he goes to the ground and he, he went to the ground because he was hit. I rewound and looked at it. I'm not but this much of a Luca crazy person, I promise. But this one was fascinating to me. And there was just nothing. And you see kids standing there and that's a moment. And I, I, I put this out there. Like I have 20, 22,000 or something, 21,000 Twitter followers. And I asked the various Mavs media people who are at the game to ask the question of why don't you defend your star player? It, I'm glad this game didn't turn on that fact. I'm glad they didn't need it. I'm glad they powered through. But it would do a lot, I think, if Luka Doncic and, and Kyrie Irving saw their coach go to bat for them one time. Just once. It hasn't happened in a long time. And I know he probably wants to keep his money, but maybe Mark Cuban still pays those fines. I just, I feel nuts watching this because it's, it, I understand that that coaches have limited um, weapons that they can use to motivate their team. But this just struck me as one where this team is on a seven game win streak. They want to keep it going. He's got to do something to prevent his star player from losing his cool. And when his star player is right, that's when you take that technical foul. What do you think? No, I think so. I mean, that was one of the things I always I appreciated about Rick Carlisle when Rick Carlisle was here. And trust me, like, I know we haven't been doing this podcast that long, but if you've been reading me at Mavs Moneyball, there were certainly some things that Rick did that drove me that drove me nutty. So this, um, but yeah, that was the one thing that I always liked about him. I don't know, you know, we can't quantify it. Like, if a coach sticks up for your player, does this act change? You know, sure. what does this actually change? So we don't know that, but. At the very least, it'd be nice if we don't have to worry about Luca getting hitting that sixteen technical yes. limit every season. Like, yes, we're he's well on his way. He only he's needs gonna to miss more. a game. Like at that Maybe. point, and like, do you want it to be a key thing? And so, yeah, Billy, um, fantastic screen name. Billy Coward says, "Why would you defend Luca? It would validate why he complains all the time. When he's right, you have to validate the complaint. That's the real thing. Otherwise, it looks like you don't care." And that's what I mean when I'm saying if he's doing this every third game, it wouldn't go anywhere. But Rick Carlisle, every now and again, would take a tech, would get ejected. It's a motivational tactic for your team. And and I had one guy shoot me a message who said, you know, as, as a youth coach, obviously not the same, but I, I like the psychology behind the thought where he said, you know, I think as a coach, if you stand up for your players, it will tamp down the players complaining because then that allows you as a coach to say, look, shut the fuck up. I'm going to deal with this. And right. I don't want to imply that kid is not doing anything because, frankly, I've sat close enough. Kid gets in those refs' ears. I just need him to do it in a demonstrative way when we have these refs that do what they did tonight, which for most of the game were allowing Luca to get destroyed. And it wasn't fair. It, it, that sort of stuff just drives me nuts. No, no. and But, yeah, it, it wasn't fun, especially, like I said, it wasn't a sudden tee. Like we all were watching yes. this game. And it was that just, was going to happen. It was such a slow burn. It was so predictable that he was going to get a tech sometime in the second half, uh, just the way the game was being called. But uh, you kind of hinted at it while you were talking about this that I thought is a pretty nice point. Um, did it feel to you like when Luca got that tech, 
there was a little part of my brain that went, okay, here we go. Like the Mavs have like a, can't remember what their lead was, but it was like, you know, seven, eight, something like that. I thought they were going to come apart. Yeah. Right. Here we go again. Uh, And they, they shut the door after that. Like Luca to his credit, like I didn't see him uh, uh, lagging uh, in transition defense um, too often after that. I didn't see him behind the play a lot. I mean, he still complained, but you know, that's, that's going to happen, but it didn't, how many times have we seen Luca get a tech and it like takes him out of the game for an extended yes. stretch that lets the Mavericks opponent back into the game? Never happened. Uh, the Mavericks pretty much controlled the fourth quarter from from the start to the end. They entered the fourth quarter up uh, what up five and they win they win the game by double digits. So uh, I thought that was is that a breakthrough? I don't know. Or is it well, a one time I mean, thing? And, we'll and, see. And I'm here slandering Kid to a point, and I think Kid and the coaching staff, along with the players, deserve credit for weathering that storm and pushing through. I'm simply of the opinion that the season is long. It's emotional. There are points when you want to make a point, and mm-hmm. I will lose my mind. If the Dallas Mavericks during a key point in a playoff series don't something bad happens because Jason Kidd is standing there with his hands in his fucking pockets. Can't argue, I can't argue that. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am not I am not here to watch the coach. I am here to watch the guys in uniform. They are the people I support. Sorry, that's the way this goes. People who stand for coaches, GMs, owners are fucking weird. I want to to watch the Dallas Mavericks. I want to see the basketball go through the hoop. I want to see them lift the Larry O'Brien trophy. I don't care if you don't like my criticism because I want to see the Mavericks win. That's what I want to see. And so I don't want these little margins of, of, of error to go by where we wonder, oh, if they had only done this thing differently. Because there's a number of those games this year. And and this is why I think they've really turned the course since the trade deadline. And they're playing fantastic basketball with margin for growth. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, there's still some tweaks they could have made defensively to in the first half. They gave up 63 points, and we saw in the second half they played much better. So, yeah, I mean, P.J. Washington still can't make an open three. Like... <laughs> There's there's a lot of meat left on the bone. Uh, Derek Lively only played 16 minutes and was kind of a non-factor in this game, and you still beat a team ahead of you in the standings by 10 points. Like, well, let's talk about that. Why Lively? That was kind of the the probably you know, and this is more important than any of the kid based things. Well, I guess kid plays a part in this. Why is Maxi getting playing time as the five? What's going on there? I think tonight, well, Nurkic only played 20 minutes. So the last ah. time these two teams, yeah, and and, that, and he's like, he's literally their only big. Like Eubanks is their backup and he plays, like he's not, he's not a big. I mean, he's a big, but he's not like, he's not a real backup center. Um, Raphael says Maxi spaces the floor and I'm like, what, on what planet? Did you see him shoot threes tonight? I didn't. Made one. Made one. <laughs> Okay. One out of three. No, I know. I'm just I'm teasing. But you're, but but I think what happened. I really earnestly don't remember all three three pointers. I don't. I, the the one he made it in the the one he made was in the second half, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time these two teams played, I don't think uh, Kyrie played, uh, and that was the game. Uh, yeah, in January. Mavericks got whooped. That was a yes. painful loss. That yeah. was a national TV loss. Yeah, and there was yeah there was no Kyrie. I just wanted to double check. Sorry, I was kind of kind of stammering here. But yeah, so Kyrie didn't play. 
uh, and the Suns went small and they played a Kogi as like the fifth guy with no center. I mean, technically, like if you want to call Durant the center, that's kind of what they did. And they kind of ran the Mavericks off the floor when they did that. And But I think the reason why that mostly happened was because with no Kyrie, it makes sense to play a small, quick lineup that can trap Luka and rotate behind and run spot-up guys off the line. Because when Kyrie was out, and I think Exum wasn't playing either, or, or you know, without Kyrie, this team just doesn't have a lot of off the, the dribble juice. And especially before the trade deadline, they didn't have P.J. Washington. Um so it was much easier for the Suns to go small because they weren't really worried about the size disadvantage because they were like, we're just going to trap Luca. We're not scared of, of Maxi Kleber or Josh Green or, or, or Derek Jones or any of these guys beating us off the dribble from the three-point line. Like, we're going to trap and rotate, and we feel like we've got the foot speed to keep up. But this game, the Mavericks did have Kyrie. And I think Vogel just kind of was like, okay, well, it worked last time. Let's go small again. And the Mavericks c- cooked them. Uh, up uh, when the Suns went small because they tried to send two of the ball to Luca when Luca would, would take a dribble in the three point line. And when Kyrie's on the floor, you just can't do that. Like, if Kyrie's playing like Kyrie should play, it's impossible to play that kind of defense. Oh, he was so good tonight. I know. Yeah. He was, he was phenomenal. So we haven't even talked about how good him and Luca were. I know. I know. We it can get to that. Uh, no, 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 it's fine. Um, so what I think it happened tonight was the Suns went small and kid matched the small ball with Maxi at the five. Did you think I, he was effective? Because I think like, I, I'm just sort of curious because uh, Lively's on a minutes restriction. A couple of people pointed that out. I just think Lively is not, I think Lively's more mobile than Maxi. I'm sort of confused by this. Like Maxi is not the athlete he once was night in and night out. There are nights where he has it. I felt like he got burned a number of times tonight as the five. Yeah, because be he, he was guarding Durant like at the top at the three point. Like I my favorite version of Maxi is when he is on the back line, being able to rotate and guard the rim and then switch when needed. When he's like your primary, like, hey, you're picking up Durant in the half court without a screen, like you know, before a switch or anything, like that's the part where it's a little troublesome. And that definitely happened a couple times. But him and PJ I thought played pretty well in the sure. fourth quarter defensively. It was a mixed bag. I thought there were moments when they played the five. I think when Maxi went to the five in the third quarter, that's when the Suns got that lead uh, to 81, cut it down to one. And it was really weird because, like, Gafford played 17 minutes and had uh, two offensive rebounds, and Lively played 16 and had three off. Like, those guys had five offensive rebounds in, like, 30 minutes, which is pretty good which is pretty good. Uh, and it felt like anytime they were on the floor when the Suns went small, like they were just getting off, they were just racking up offensive rebounds. So that was a little, you know, I would have liked the Mavericks to to use their size advantage a little bit more in those situations. Sure. But they did close the game pretty strongly defensively with Maxi at the five. So it was a little uneven. Yeah. I think they figured some things out after halftime or after the third quarter. Um, but man, it, how crazy it is to say, I wish the Mavericks could have, emphasize their size advantage yeah when's the last time we've we've said the mavericks have a size advantage yeah uh, well so i mean I, 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 just to think, I, I just happen to think like lively is a pretty freaking mobile defender yeah they trust I, they just trust maxi closing out to shooters right now where that, that's a coach vet rookie thing i think right now. yeah closing out the shooters versus closing out the takes yeah yeah i can see that I don't mind it. I mean, they won. It's more. Yeah, of a, yeah. I mean, it, if they, if Maxi would have, if that five Maxi at the five lineup would have played the fourth quarter like it did, like some stretches in the third, we might be having a different kind of podcast. But they sure. they turned it around in the fourth quarter, and I thought, I thought him and uh, PJ together was 
they played a really nice defensive tandem game. Let's talk about the PGA defensive game. What do you think you did tonight that was really effective? Just being long and, and just staying in front of staying in front of his man, not giving up. You know, he's not the the bulkiest dude. But and I thought one of the things that I was worried about with him being in Dallas was is he going to get bullied a little bit one on one situations? He's pretty stout, like he holds his ground really well um, when teams are trying to go at him in the paint. And I feel like like Durant was trying to go at him in the paint because Durant, like PJ's not a small guy, but Durant makes him look like you know, makes him look like a middle schooler almost because Durant's just mm. so long and tall. He's so tall, man. Yeah. Watching Josh Green try to guard him is so annoying because he's got like seven yeah. inches on Green. Yeah, but PJ, like he's got that seven-two wingspan. He had two blocks uh, and a steal. Like that's the thing. He he racks up steals and blocks for someone that's not a center. Um, Can I tell you something he does that probably doesn't matter at all, but like the old man and me absolutely loves? Oh no, I want to know. He gets his hand up late on closeouts okay, so he actually he, contests well he, well let's say he's like 15 feet away and he's he's like the third he's the second or third rotation and he's trying to close out to a shooter he gets his hand up <laughs> it probably doesn't matter because nba players are incredible but one thing that kate uh uh chris Tapps, porzingis and luca Luca's a little better at it now but for the longest time it's like when they were knew they weren't going to make the rotation in time they would just sort of like slough and go out there and pj <laughs> gets his hand up he jumps he does something stupid he makes a little like like move and gets his hand up and it's like i the old man and me for effort-based defense loves that stuff yeah and i think he's yeah that's been the thing with him before the trade it was like He's got the tools. Like you look at his steal and you look at his block numbers in Charlotte. And granted, it's in Charlotte, but like a guy six seven, basically averaging a combined two steals and blocks per game. Like that's pretty damn good for yeah. someone at six seven. And it was always like, okay, well, he can obviously make splash defensive plays. Can he play consistently in the half court? Can he get back in transition? Can he can he maintain effort and intensity throughout a possession instead of just getting a steal or going for a steal or going for a block or a big play. And I think so far in these hand, this small handful of games, he's shown that like he's looked very locked in despite the fact that he's not really, you know, his offense has been okay, but like the fact that he's still playing pretty high level defense and he's what 14 points, nine points, three points, 12 points in his four games. Like is usually guys kind of, you know, guys play a little bit better defense when they're, when they're making shots. That's just kind of, psychological thing like the fact that he's still pretty locked in defensively even with his offense kind of petering out a little bit being a little inconsistent i think that's a really good sign oh and by the way luca had four steals and he stripped durant i think once or twice he had active hands he have active hands i mean it's 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 very it's very fun watching and engaged luca on defense because he he takes it personally in a way that's very productive and not petty like when he sometimes gets gets angry, he does things that that aren't super helpful to a defense. But he's just so dang big. Yes, you so know, big. he's so big. And <laughs> and I, it's, I think a lot of people don't realize how much wider he is than like most NBA players. Like he's just like the Rob Gronkowski of basketball. Like he's so big. I just I don't know. Yeah, I, really I mean the thing with Luca, it's not like I mean there are people that. There are players in the NBA that are bad defenders because they just don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, I think the Mavericks might have one or two guys that are like that on this roster still. Sure. Um, 
Luca never struck me as like one of those guys. It was just sure. always he just didn't want to do it because he has a 40 usage rate and, and and you know he's he's taking 30 shots a game and the offense revolves around him. It just was always like not that I don't think he can do it. It's just like eh, I'm gonna take this possession off because I know that if I don't you know create offense for the next five minutes, we're gonna lose this game. So. Like when he wants to do it, like he he showed tonight, uh, especially in the second half, like he can be a good defender if he wants to. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got a guy that's just just relentlessly trolling um, me in the comments, but uh, he's having a great time. Good for him. <laughs> um, all right, so I, I I do think it is worth at least closing before uh, before we you know head on to the other live show about Kyrie Irving's uh, really just delightful play. His two three-pointers on like the old Jason Terry pull-up in transition style stuff um, is is really fun. I I would love if he shot four transition three-pointers a game. Like, give this man as many three-point looks as he wants. You know, I, I just, oh, I yeah. really, he's the, such a delightful basketball player to watch. The tra- yeah, that tra- his transition three feels like the most automatic shot like on the team right now it's it's really nice to watch he was and i i mean yeah he was great and like i said him and luca thoroughly outplayed booker and durant and if the two stars are better than your other two star the other team's two stars i mean you're gonna probably win and they did so yeah he was good and i think what was good for him uh he was aggressive and that's always been that's always the thing with Kyrie, right like is he going to get up shots or is he going to defer a little bit and spot up in space which is good that he like is willing to do that to a degree because like you know it's hard like we watch we watch these superstar pairings and other teams and it's hard when these guys don't have the ball sometimes. Yeah. Um, like we watched I mean the Miami Heat when they had LeBron and Wade. It took them a you know a year a little bit more to to really figure it out. Like the way that Kyrie feels so malleable with Luca, where he's just kind of like, okay, you need me to spot up like while that's you're doing right. stuff. That's cool. You need me to take over. Okay, that's cool. And he, what he had that spurt in the first quarter where he scored like eight points in like two minutes. That's right. <laughs> and, and like it was like because remember the Mavericks started this game down like eleven to three, and I was kind of like, "Is this team still in Cabo? What's going on?" Uh, and then he just like like snap of his fingers, he scored like eight points uh, very quickly on three possessions. He had like a layup and two threes, both of those threes in transition, and all of a sudden it's a one point game, and it's like game on. He's got that. He's like a he's like a firecracker. I don't know. Like he's instant offense unto himself. Like Luca is obviously like an offense unto himself, but he's so much more methodical about it. Like the way Kyrie can just score so many points in a short amount of time is is kind of unrivaled. He had a cut to the basket for a layup, and every time he cuts to the basket. I get more mad that the Mavericks offense doesn't feature more cuts to the basket because they have these, they have so many good passers on this team. Now I get, this is where the, the Tim Hardaway senior, like Luca dribbles too much thing. I kind of like, yeah, okay. Cause I just, I don't know the ball, when the ball really moves, it's like, whoo, this is something, this is something they got something. And, and the nice part about all this is, before we kind of close out here is, is I feel that, the, you know, we, we did the first 10 minutes of the show. We're talking about, you know, the things they did well, we spend the next 15 minutes about things that we wish they would kind of improve on. And they still won by 10 against another Western conference foe. 
and I think that sort of where we're settling at this point in the year, and one thing that is like a credit to the coaching staff and the organization as a whole is they're playing right at the time when it's extremely important to play right, to play well. Yes. A lot of teams are going to start either punting their season or get locked into their, uh, their standing. And there's going to be opportunities for the Mavericks going to run and win some games. And I think they've got, I don't, I don't know how strength of schedule stuff works because I feel like the Mavericks have had the easiest strength of schedule all year. <laughs> like every time I look at the the data, it's like, Oh, the Mavericks remaining schedule is easy. And it's like, what they eventually have to play some hard teams eventually, but it's their schedules looking pretty nice after they get through these next like two weeks or so. Do we so have two days off. Yeah, they don't play till Sunday the, against the Pacers. Yep. What do we think the over under is going to be on that game? Like like two fifty. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We might see another All Star game on Sunday. That'll be fun. I, mean, I can't I wait to watch. Can't I love wait. the Pacers. I love the Pacers team. I know they're not awesome, but. Halliburton's so fun. Like they're they're a fun team. I mean, they're kind of like the Mavs. They just got a lot of guys. You want to know, you want to know my problem, man? This yeah. just shows my age. And shout out to Cowboy in the chat who will also mention this. Like my brain is so permanently two thousands to where whenever I see Halliburton, I think Dick Cheney. Like I can't. <laughs> I my brain will not process anything other than Dick Cheney and like. 2000s politics that's how stupid old i am now, there's lots of funny jokes when halberton has a big game man they're there's they're gonna be i cannot and like carl's just you know he maximizes stuff man he maximizes yes. stuff I, I just in a 4 p.m game let's fucking go <laughs> god we don't play another late game the mavericks don't play a late game until thursday march 14th holy hell wow we're gonna be entered we're gonna be energized for the I'm getting my like i'm be gonna, fresh my, yeah, I'm gonna be looking. Well, no, I'll always look like hell, but you know, we'll be awake, <laughs> and I won't need to like you know, I won't need to like just stick caffeine in my eyeballs the way I am some of these games last year. Yeah, all well, right. Can, I know we're about to wrap up. Can I make one more point? Of course, you can. Uh, shout out to Josh Kogi for being the Mavericks' third best player tonight. I don't know if you noticed uh, when he was on the floor. Uh, the Mavericks basically had their two biggest runs of the game. Yep. When he was on the floor. He, I know individual box score plus minus is a very flawed stat, but he earned every bit of his minus 15. I, uh, I so, so we're going to host a Mavs party here shortly, but before I, I take a quick break, yep. we're talking like a minute. Uh, so I want all of you guys to hang out. I want you guys to start generating um, your, you'd use, use your, your Google AI generator to, to imagine what Rick Carlisle is going to say about Luca before the Indiana Pacers game, because there is no smoke blower quite like Rick Carlisle. He is, I mean, again, there's not, there's a little bit to the fact that, that Rick Carlisle suggested his replacement to Jason Kidd as Jason Kidd to Mark Cuban. I think he did it as a joke. And Mark Cuban took him seriously, and but he's so good about telling, uh, about mentioning how amazing he thinks Luca is, despite the fact that like I think we know that they did not have a speaking relationship by the end of that, by the end of Rick Carlisle's time as a coach. So I just I love seeing the the hilariously nice things he says about someone and, who probably wanted to stab him with a spoon during the Clippers series. Didn't he say something also like wasn't his quote when he was like suggesting Jason Kidd to be the next coach like didn't he say something like about how like Kidd is like the perfect like to handle like a player like Luca or something and like 
Because remember, Kid, yeah, Kid hated Carlisle for a while. Like Jason Kid was in Jason Kid was in Luca's pictures when they when Luca was taking a brief vacation to some Caribbean location. Mm-hmm. So they obviously have a, a great relationship. And for as much as I complain about him, he ain't going nowhere. No. Um, but it, it is very funny that that happened because I think you're right. So, okay, guys, we'll be back in just a second for Mavs party. Thank you so much for hanging out. Remember, please like and subscribe to the podcast if you want to stay and yell at me. Or I don't know, I don't want to get yelled at that much. That happened a lot at work this week. Um, <laughs> be it, nice to Kirk. Yeah, you know, we won. The Mavs won. Everybody's excited. We should be excited. Eight game win streak loading, as the kids say. So we'll be right back. Thank you so much for hanging out, and uh, we'll see you guys on Sunday afternoon. Go Mavs. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.